Hebrews 12, verses 18 through to 24. For ye are not come unto the mount that might be touched, and that burned with fire, nor unto blackness and darkness and tempest, and the sound of a trumpet and the voice of words, which voice they that heard entreated that the word should not be spoken to them any more. For they could not endure that which was commanded. And if so much as a beast touched the mountain, it shall be stoned or thrust through with a dart. And so terrible was the sight that Moses said, I exceedingly fear and quake, but ye are come unto Mount Zion, and unto the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem, and to an innumerable company of angels, to the general assembly and church of the firstborn, which are written in heaven, and to God the judge of all, and to the spirits of just men made perfect, Unto Jesus, the mediator of the new covenant, and to the blood of sprinkling that speaketh better things than that of Abel. I would especially highlight the words that commence verse 18 and the verse 22. Ye are not come unto the mount that might be touched. Bless God for that. You're not come onto that mount. But verse 22, But ye are come unto Mount Zion, and unto the city of the living God. It's a question today, which mountain are you at in your journey with God? There are two mountains here. There are two peoples here. A people at the foot of one mountain and the people at the foot of another mountain. And the two mountains are contrasted and compared. Verses 18 to 21 is the first mountain. Verses 22 to 24 are the verses that describe another mountain. Now Paul doesn't name the first mountain. He just says you're not come on to the touchable mountain. But we know what he's talking about. He does however give the name of the second mountain. In fact he not only names it, he abundantly names it. He names it several times. Because he says there, the Mount Zion the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem. And he's contrasting these two mountains. And, and the first one is, is an historical, literal mountain. But the second one is a, a prophetical mountain, a mountain of salvation, a, what we would call an eschatological mountain. The first is Mount Sinai that we read about in Exodus 19. And the second is Mount Zion. And he compares these two mountains like law and gospel to show where we are as Christians. 
what our position is in Christ. Where we are found in the grace of God. The psalm says, Psalm 118 verse 5, I called upon the Lord in distress, and he answered me and set me in a large place. A place of freedom and liberty. A place of bountiful goodness. A wonderful place. And I want you to, this morning, people of God, to remember where you are and what a blessed place you have and where you are standing in the grace of God. Not at Mount Sinai, but at Mount Zion. So we want to consider to what mountain God has brought you and where you find yourself today as his people. And I want to, first of all, point out the verb that occurs in both. Verse 18, you are not come unto Mount Zion. Verse 22, but ye are come unto Mount Zion. This verb, come. That means that you've approached it. You've traveled to it. You've made your journey to it. And it's where you are. Now I think whenever Paul uses this word, this verb, he has in mind Christians as pilgrims. The whole epistle to the Hebrews is like that. The Christians are pilgrims. Like the Old Testament saints, they were pilgrims through the wilderness out of Egypt. And we, the Christians, are pilgrims out of sin, pilgrims out of the world, pilgrims journeying through this world and making our way to heaven. And we as pilgrims have come. As part of our journey, we've come to a certain place. This is what Paul is saying. It's not Sinai. That's where the Old Testament pilgrims came to. You, did, you haven't come there, but you've come to this place. That's where you are. This Mount Zion. And he's including all the people of God. Christians, New Testament saints, and all believers today. It's the same. You've come to Mount Zion. Now, if you're a Christian, that's where you are now. At the foot of Mount Zion, you've come. When you came to Christ, that's where you've come, according to the, the Apostle Paul. Now, if you think first about these first comers in verse 18, you've not come onto Mount Zion, that was the pilgrimage in Exodus. And that was a pilgrimage of faith too. Because when the people of God left Egypt, they had to leave it by faith. Well, we believe, Moses. We believe in the blood of the Passover lamb. Our firstborn have been delivered by the Passover lamb. We're traveling out. We're going to go on the journey. They had faith, you see. And they came to Sinai by faith. By faith. So we mustn't think that they haven't got faith. Yes, that Old Testament people at Mount Sinai, they had faith. Now, there's a lot of unbelief too and a lot of doubts. But through faith, they kept the Passover. Through faith, they passed through the Red Sea. It took faith to go through that Red Sea with the big walls of water at each side. It took faith for them to do that. So, so they had faith when they came to that mountain. 
The Old Testament pilgrims in the wilderness had faith. And they witnessed all this marvelous phenomena at the Mount Sinai. We read about it. The darkness, the, the thunder, the loudness, the sound of a trumpet, the lightnings, and the voice of God. And everybody was terrified and afraid. It must have been an awesome experience. All of that phenomena that Paul refers to here. And the characteristic of being at Mount Sinai is terror. Even Moses was terrified. I fear, he says. I exceedingly quake. That's where they were. But we Christians haven't come to that. We don't have to fear exceedingly and quake. No, we come to the blood of sprinkling that speaks peace. It's only peace. It's only stillness. It's only acceptance now through Jesus, the mediator. We've come to a mountain of peace and there's no fear and quaking. So there's a great contrast here. We're at what I might call a better mountain. A better mountain. Isn't that a word Paul likes in this epistle to the Hebrews? Isn't he using it all the time? Better. Better things, he says. A better covenant. A better hope. A better promises. Better sacrifices. Better resurrection. I'm not making that up. He says all of that himself. Better this, better that, better the other. And now we've come to a better mountain. Far better. In fact, the best. The best. We have the best mountain to come to through Jesus Christ. And there's nothing better. And our pilgrimage is also a pilgrimage of faith. Because we've come there by faith. As the New Testament saints. And I want you to notice, we're not, as it were, making our way to it. We're not coming. What does he say? Ye are come. You're there already. You're there now. Even though you can't see God, and you can't see Jesus, the mediator of the covenant, and you can't literally see the blood of sprinkling. No, you can't see them with the physical eye, but we see them with faith, the eye of faith. And these things are real. And we've come to real and true things through Jesus Christ. We ascend the hill of the Lord. We can draw near unto God. We can come right into the presence of God. And Paul is stressing all of this in this word come. In fact he uses this word come quite a bit in the epistle to the Hebrews. Let us come boldly. Onto the throne of grace. You're come onto Mount Zion. You're at the foot. Go on and ascend up in. Go right up to the throne of God. Go right into his presence. Come boldly. Let us come boldly. Let's go on up even further with the Lord. He's able to save them to the uttermost. Jesus the mediator, Paul says. He's able to save them to the uttermost that come. Unto God by him. You see we have to come by Christ. We've come here through Christ. And we ascend up further and deeper into the things of God through Christ. 
But if you don't know Christ, if you've never come to Christ, you've never come to this mountain, and you don't know this experience. Let's join the Old Testament pilgrims, first of all, at Sinai. Observe what mountain they are at, how it's described by Paul. Now, we can't look at all the words this morning, but I I want to point out one thing about this Mount Sinai in verse 18. It might be touched. And literally it is, the verb form is touchable. It's touchable. In other words, it's a real physical mountain. It's a literal mountain. That's the thing about it. And the Holy Spirit is emphasizing that. You're not come on to the touchable mountain. You're not there. He's telling us that it's a physical mountain, that it's geographical, that it's in time space, that you can even now go today and visit it. You can make the journey and get a ticket and book and go and visit it, this touchable mountain, and you can still touch it. It's over there. In the land in the Middle East. Of course the divine presence is not there anymore as it was in Exodus 19. And the pilgrims are not literally there anymore as they were in in Exodus. But that mountain is still there and it's still touchable. And this touching business is repeated in verse 21. Because it says there, if so much as a beast touch the mountain... It shall be stoned or thrust through with a dart. The animals were not allowed to wander up it. They couldn't put their feet and patter up the little trails up to the top of the mount because God was there. God is holy. While animals are not unholy, the farmers who will run after them are. And so if they were tempted to run after their sheep or after their straying goats, The goats had to be slain with a dart and an arrow so that none of the people would just run up. Because God doesn't want us to be consumed. God doesn't want us to be destroyed because of our sin. And he says, keep them back, Moses, keep them back. It's not that God likes destroying sinners. But sinners in their sin would madly rush into the presence of God and they must be be kept back because God is a consuming fire and that consumes their unholiness and their sinfulness. It's a fearful mountain, but we're not come to it. Bless God. We've come to a better mountain. But the thing is, it's all literal. It's touchable. You can see it. And God emphasized about this touching business as we read in Exodus 19. So Paul is bringing that out. But he brings it out also to contrast with the mountain that we're at. Because while that mountain is touchable, Mount Zion is not touchable. It's not geographical. Yes, it was Jerusalem and that was called Mount Zion. But Paul's not talking of that mountain. He's talking of an untouchable mountain. A mountain that can't be touched. A mountain that's not physical. A mountain that is not geographical. A mountain that is not limited to some time space. But a mountain that is part of the new new heavens and the new earth. Which breaks in upon our earth. And which will have a final consummation at the last day. 
The kingdom has come. That mountain has already begun to break into our earth. And it's invisible. And it's untouchable. Because it's not physical. But it's true and real. It's spiritual. It's the real reality. The invisible things of God are the real reality. So it's not an earthly Jerusalem. And Paul makes that clear. It's the untouchable mountain, Mount Zion, the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem, not the earthly Jerusalem. This mountain transcends the earthly. It's non-earthly. Now it's touched by faith. Oh yes, it's touched by faith. And we lay hands on the mediator by faith. And we come right ascending that mountain into the very presence of God himself through Christ by faith. It's as real to us as walking up a physical Mount Zion. But it's all invisible. Because faith makes it a reality to us that are Christians. So it's not earthly Jerusalem. As Jesus said to the woman of Samaria, Woman, believe me, the hour cometh, and when ye'll not worship in this mountain, that is in Samaria, nor yet in Jerusalem worship the Father. No, he's talking of this hour when the whole Christian church, they don't have to go to Jerusalem, the physical, real Jerusalem on the earth. No, wherever they are, Jew and Gentile, the hour comes that they'll be able to worship the Father in spirit and in truth through Christ. And so this is what Paul is talking about here. We've come to that place. And there's no better. And this mountain is the portal into the new. The new heavens and the new earth. And anybody who comes to this mountain and worships at this mountain. And comes to God through Jesus the mediator and the blood of sprinkling. By that portal into that mountain. They will enter into the new heavens and the new earth. In their resurrected humanity. It's a wonderful mountain. And the grace of God has brought it on to us. That's where we are now, you see. This untouchable mountain. Now, if we think about the Jews, these Old Testament pilgrims, God's ancient people, in a sense, they're still stuck in the old, aren't they? Whenever Paul says, you're not come there, you're come here, he's kind of hinting that the Jews... They're still stuck there. They're still stuck in the old. They're still stuck at Sinai. They're still stuck under the law. That's what he's implying. But we're not stuck there like the Jews. We've come further. We've come on the pilgrimage by faith further. And we've come to Christ. And now here we are. So he's hinting at the Jews. Moses, you remember, he came down Sinai. And did he have to put a veil over his face? It's like the Jews are at Sinai still have that veil. They, they can't see anything further. They're still stuck in the old. They've rejected the new. They've rejected Christ. They've rejected the heavenly Jerusalem. In their rejection of Jesus Christ. And there they're still stuck in the old. And this veil 
that Moses wore has, has been cast over them. I'm not, I'm not saying this. Paul says this to the Corinthians. He says, To this day remaineth the veil untaken away in the reading of the Old Testament, which veil is done away in Christ. And so these Old Testament people of God are the Israel now who are the, the biological descendants of the Old, people, Old Testament people of God. They are still in the Old Testament. They still have Moses. They're still at Sinai. They're still at the law. They've rejected Jesus Christ. They've rejected the New Testament. They're still stuck here. And that veil is over them. So that they don't see the new. But one day they will. Because Paul says, nevertheless, the veil will be removed. And one day they will. God hasn't finished with Israel yet. God hasn't finished with the Jews yet. You would know that. How can a race survive for thousands of years? When the devil and all mankind have sought to destroy them, how could they continue to exist? It's because God hasn't finished with them. And one day, in a marvelous way, he's going to take away the veil, and the Jews are going to join us at this mountain. And they're going to come into the church of Jesus Christ and become New Testament believers and join us here. The Jews will move on, I trust, when God works in them. And many Jews are being saved today, of course. The new covenant brings us beyond what they have at Sinai. It brings us into the arena of verses 22 to 24. We can't study all of that description there. We've come to the angels. We've come to the, the church of the firstborn. We've come to God, the judge of all. We've come to the spirits of just men made perfect. We've come to Jesus. And so on. Wonderful things. Which I can't go on about this morning. But the last thing that I would point out is the word for in verse 18. For ye are not come unto the mount that might be touched, but ye are come unto Mount Zion. You see the for and the but. I'm emphasizing them now. Before Paul speaks of the mountain that we have come to, he does this strange thing. He talks about the mountain we have not come to. He emphasizes the negative before he stresses the positive. Why does he do that? For we have not come here. But rather, we have come here. Why does he do that? He does it because he wants to connect us with what we have studied before, what's gone before, in the verses before this. He wants to stress something. He wants to encourage us as Christians. He wants to be positive. You see, New Testament Christians are not stuck at Sinai, as I said. They're not stuck with the terror and fear, but they have obtained new covenant blessings and received the inheritance of grace. We're here, for we're not here. Now, who had he talked about before this? Esau. You remember we looked at Esau? And what was Esau? He was the firstborn. Wasn't he? Didn't he come out first? Didn't he have the inheritance of the firstborn? 
He had the promised blessings as the firstborn. It all seemed to be in the bag for Esau. But it wasn't. Because he failed of the grace of God. And he didn't get the blessing. And he didn't get the inheritance. Even though he was first, the firstborn. It was someone who came after that got it all. And that's like Jews and Gentiles. The Jew was first. The Jew was at Sinai first. It looked like they were going to get it. All of it. But no, they didn't. They don't have the inheritance. Do the Jews have the inheritance today? Do the Jews have the blessing today? The Holocaust? All the troubles all around them? Do they have the blessing today? Do they have the inheritance of grace today? Do they have the joy and the peace of the Lord? In the Savior Jesus Christ. No they, they don't have it. They've come short of the grace of God. They've failed of the grace of God. And they're still seeking righteousness by the law. Oh if we do good enough. If we're good to our neighbors enough. We'll be right with God. They're still stuck there. Esau stuck there. He doesn't have tears of repentance. That he threw away the blessing. He just has weeping and wailing and tears because he doesn't have the blessing. But he won't repent for the reason why he doesn't have the blessing. And that's like the Jews. They have the wailing wall. We don't have the blessing. We don't have the temple. We don't have the Mount Zion. We don't have all that God promised us. And we weep and we wail and we tear our clothes and, and we stick little notes into the wailing wall. And we're wanting it. We're wanting the blessing. But they fail of the grace of God. Why? And we Gentiles have come to get it. Why? Because we have received Jesus Christ. But they have not. They've rejected him. They won't come on to Mount Zion. They won't come to Jesus, the mediator of the covenant. They won't come to the general assembly. They won't come to the church of Jesus Christ, the church of the firstborn of Jesus Christ. They won't come to that. They won't join the true people of God who now have gone on further through Jesus Christ. They're still stuck at the old field of the grace of God. Like Esau. And Paul is saying to all the church. Remember he says. Lest there be an Esau about you. But he doesn't think that. He doesn't think that about any of them. He's gracious. He says. For you are not come to that place. Sinai. Crying and weeping and trembling and fearing. Oh that I might have the blessing of God. No you've not come to that place. You've repented. And you've believed in Jesus Christ. And you've come to Mount Zion. That's where you are today people of God. Through Jesus Christ your Savior. That's where we've come you see. The Jews as I say they, they don't have that. They're still stuck in Sinai. 
And as I said, they'll not always be stuck there. The blindness in part has happened to Israel. Until the fullness of the Gentiles come in and then something marvelous with Israel. And so all Israel shall be saved. They'll come out of Zion the deliverer and turn away ungodliness from Jacob. And upon the house of David and upon the inhabitants of Jerusalem the spirit of grace and of supplication one day shall fall and they shall look upon me whom they have pierced and they shall mourn for him as an only son. That's repentance day. That's the day it'll all change. Whenever they're not weeping and wailing because they don't have the blessing whenever at last they begin to weep and wail for him whom they pierce. And at last they see it. And shall truly mourn their sins against Christ. And their unbelief concerning him. And they shall truly begin to confess as never before. He is despised and rejected of men. A man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. We hid as it were our faces from him. He was despised. We didn't esteem him. But he bore our griefs, he carried our sorrows, yet we reckoned him to be stricken, smitten of God, afflicted, to be a cast off from God. But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. One day they'll see it. And the ransom of the Lord then shall return and come to Zion. Not a physical Zion. Not a touchable Zion. But this Zion that we are at. We're praying that the Jews may come to the Zion. The heavenly Zion. And stop this pampering on about something physical and geographical and touchable in the land. They need to go beyond the touchable and come to the untouchable by faith in Jesus Christ. You know, that's what the Jews need more than anything else. They don't need a new temple. They don't need you to send them billions and billions of pounds to build a temple and something physical there in Jerusalem. They need you to pray that God would take away the veil that covers them. That they may see Jesus Christ. The true Messiah. And the one who brings them into the heavenly. Not a little land of Cana. We bit of landscape. But to bring them into the heavenly Canaan. Into the heavenly Jerusalem. Into the eternal reality that is in Jesus Christ our Lord. The Jews need to see that. And it's our job to pray that they may see that and be saved through faith in Jesus Christ. So what I'm saying this morning, brethren and sisters, with this I close, let us stand fast at this mountain and not be moved away from the hope of the gospel. Let us stand fast in the liberty that we have in Jesus Christ. Yes, we have our sins, we have our battles, we have our struggles, But we don't have to be fearing and trembling because we have a gracious Savior who forgives us of all our sins 
and makes us to be reconciled unto God through himself. That's what you have. Through Christ. So keep on standing at this mountain. This untouchable mountain by faith. Don't be moved away from it. And if you've never come to Christ, if you've never been trusting in the Lord Jesus and reconciled to God through him, and if you don't know what it is to pray to God through a mediator, Jesus the mediator, then you're not at this mountain. You're like the Jews, you're still at Sinai. Oh, if I'm a good person, if I be honest and conscientious and do the best I can, I'll find acceptance with God, but you hear the thunder of the law in your conscience. Like the rich young ruler. Oh, I've kept all the law. He's at Sinai. All of this have I done from my youth up. He's at Sinai. He hasn't come to Christ. What must I do to have eternal life? Oh, I've kept the law all my life. What more can I do? And what did Jesus say to him? He thundered the law. He said, sell everything you have and give to the poor. Oh, can't do that. Fear and trembling and the thundering and the trumpets. No. We have to come to Christ. There's nothing I can do. Only your mercy and grace in your son Jesus and the forgiveness of all my sins by his blood. That's where we've come. Praise his name. You're not at Sinai. So don't be afraid. You're at the feet of Jesus who's at the right hand of God in the heavens. That's where you are. That's your position. In Christ. So have peace. Even the peace of the gospel. Of our Lord and Saviour Jesus Christ.